CEOs, welcome back to the CEO Wing Woman podcast. I'm your host, Christy Bowie, and I am so excited for our guest today. I am here with Julie Perkins. We chatted just a little bit before we hit record, and I'm so excited. We share incredibly similar values, so I really think you guys are going to get so much out of this episode. So just to give you a little bio about Julie, whatever your business problems may be, Julie Perkins has lived them and learned how to look forward and survive. So this episode is going to be all about motivation for you to overcome, seeing and talking with someone who has been there to know that you are not the only one facing these problems. From witnessing the ins and outs of a business founded in a spare room and launched into the world stage, to surviving cancer, to writing books, which is the wise way, and launching her own podcast, Julie is sought after for her advice and guidance. With a passion for decluttering the minds of female entrepreneurs, she is able to translate experience and research theories into a language that helps you see a path to growth while ensuring it's an exciting adventure. Julie founded Wise Minds to be the support system behind every female entrepreneur who is seeking a new era of growth. This company is a combination of people, knowledge, and tools to allow them to make the next change they are looking for. Julie, I am so excited to welcome well, you. Thank you so much for having me, Christy. I mean, I do love it when someone reads a bio app because after a while I go, that's a really interesting, oh my gosh, that person told I go, oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, that's a really cool person. I wouldn't meet them. Oh, wait, it's me. Thank you very much for that. (laughs) It's always, yeah, it's always so good to be reminded of everything you have achieved because, you know, we put our best foot forward in our bio, but sometimes we forget about it. So Julie, we're reminding you how much you you have achieved. Thank you very, very much. (laughs) Perfect. So I would love just to kind of hear from your perspective a little bit about your journey and what's brought you here today and the formation of Wise Minds. I think there's very few people in life that can say they've just loved their entire career. And I, you know, I come from a a very high-paced entrepreneurial family. So you're always brought up in that buzz of business. You know, I'm sure in the teens, you always go through pushing it back, but something subconsciously seeks in and you, you sort of absorb this fast-moving sort of business culture. And I think that was an incredible setup for me. And I then took the brand that uh, the fam- my family started out into the Netherlands and built it in the Netherlands and Northern Europe for about 20 years and... It was just a beautiful roller coaster as it is for entrepreneurs. And then I decided to start up my own business thinking, well, I've had a great 20 years. How can I sort of coach and support other people to take what it took me 10 years to discover, let's say, in in three months? And what were my learnings to ensure that we can open successful businesses and have fun doing it? So it's sort of a mixture between sort of entrepreneurial drive, a lot of failure, and a lot of learning from it, and um, curiosity. I love to discover new ways of doing things. So it's certainly been a fun journey, and I've loved every single minute, and I still am with Wise Minds. That's amazing. That's something that we don't hear a lot of people talking about, saying, I love every minute. And so... Obviously, you figured something out that I think the rest of us have to learn. So I think your story is a little bit unique, having a entrepreneurial family and having that opportunity to be in that business. I'd love to hear how that impacted you from a how you approached entrepreneurship stance. Did you kind of go with what your family had set up and, and agree with them? Or did you say, you know what? 
no, now is my turn. I'm going to do things differently. I think some of the things I very much learned from my parents was that when you grow up in an entrepreneur family, you grow up surrounded by a lot of different people around all of the time. And something sort of shows you that if you're going to succeed, gather yourself, uh, gather around you great, great people. And of course, I was young growing up, but there was always house parties, meetings around the house and people coming in and out. And no one ever walked in going, oh, I've had a really bad day or my gosh, my boss. Everyone sort of talked about things in terms of achievement. And I'm sure there were challenging times in the early beginnings, but people see it as a challenge rather than a failure. And you come into this beautiful culture of being able to look at challenges because you're hearing it all the time. I also was taught about sharing in partnership. So our whole business, the family business, was built on partnership. And, and I think that teaches you to gather around the best people, especially in the early stages. So they didn't wait to make money and then give it away. They actually built it in partnership right from the start. And I think that's a massive learning about sharing and actually sharing from the start because you set up a culture, a way of doing things from day one. And I think that way you can gather the great people around you that are going to accelerate that change. So even though I sort of ended up with a wise binds, I was very much involved in opening up the brand and it taught me all of that. And of course, as you're growing up, you're thinking, yes, I can do it better. Of course, because that's what, you know, that's what it makes but. I think then you start to learn about what you really heard growing up, what you really experienced, and you take with you the key things about people, and then you make it yours. So the discovery, especially with startup business in today's world, that requires people. But how do you as a founder, I mean, I watched my parents drive the business forward, but how do you as a founder, a single founder, find the right partnerships? How do you lead that success? And I think those were things that I had to discover when I was on my own taking the brand into, into the Netherlands and Northern Europe. And I think, I say, I discovered. I, I told you about failure, right? <laughs> I discovered hard. Yeah, I love that. And I love this constant theme around partnerships because for me and what I've been seeing I kind of have a theory that going into the rest of 2023 and 2024, going forward, that's what we're going to start seeing in terms of small businesses had their days in the 20, 2020 to 2022 era. Small business was great. And I'm not saying small business isn't great anymore, but I think that we're going to see the combining of resources of smaller businesses to form more of a joint business and joint resources so we can start to achieve those a little bit more of economies of scale. I had this conversation with someone recently. It's how do we leverage the resources of everybody to mean to basically get those resources of a big company while still being a small business. So I think that is such a key point. So can you yeah. elaborate a little bit on what partnerships look like for you and maybe what you see in the next few years of that our founders should start to pay attention to and get ahead yeah, of the definitely. Company. I mean, of course, as small businesses, you look at it and you think, I don't have the money to take on the people that I need to grow the business. And very much I work with small businesses in small ecosystems. So gathering the right partners, the right alliances, and more so even than direct team. 
how do you gather in whatever form those right people around you in order to be able to grow? And this is a really strong conversation that we have at the moment about value-based recruitment. And how do you decide who you are in order to decide who you want to partner with? And, you know, I always love it networking. Everyone's going in, going, I need people. They go, but who do you need? Who are you? Who's going to support you? How do you find the right people? And this is something that we work in very much with Wise Minds about finding the founders' purpose and values, their personal ones first, because you can't lead other people, your company, before you can lead yourself. And that helps you to be able to collect the right people around you. And of course, you're fast moving, you're very passionate, you want to be going forward. But in those early stages, trying to find those right people by values is very important. Not just people you're going to get on with down the pub. I mean, that's fun, right? But, but also, how, what reflects you? And my father was taught this thing very big on this. He just said, when I took suppliers on to a very early stage, respect sales, which is an optical company, he said, when I walked in and I looked at the suppliers, of course, I wanted to talk to the current leaders. So if I asked them one question, who's your successor? Because I'm in it for the long term. And I don't want to work with you and make you big and you make me big, only for you to sell off. So he, that was an important value to him, not to everybody, but for him it was. He wanted long-term partnerships. So he always asked to meet the successor as well. Who's your future? And that's what I mean by values. You have to decide what you're looking for, who you are, and of course, who reflects you, who, who supports you to be the best that you can be, but also what you're looking for in terms of your business model. Are they in it for the long-term? I mean, of course... You know, at this moment, everyone's looking for people that can build their sort of UX designs, their platforms, etc. And people say, oh, you haven't got money. Give me some shares and then we can work together. You see, there's got to be careful with that because what happens if they're not around in two years or three years? And you have to understand that how do you collect, you know, your orchestra, so to speak, that you're going to be conducting? And how long do you want to conduct it for? These are all very important questions to, to answer. But partnership to me is absolute key because getting people waking up every day and thinking of the challenge and thinking of it from your terms and what they can contribute is incredibly important right now. I think that's great. And I love that question. Like, who is your successor, right? That tells me exactly right away what you were thinking and how you view this partnership. So do you have examples, I might be putting you on the spot, of things that were maybe unsuccessful partnerships or red flags that you noticed to not have a partnership of whatever sort that is with someone so that we can kind of be on the lookout for yeah, I think it's, you know, a lot of it, as I sort of said, comes from your personal purpose and values. And what's right for some isn't right for others. So that's why I say very much you've got to look at who you are first and what you're looking for in partnerships. And quite often, if you don't take that time to do it, have you got alignment of what you're thinking and contribution? But I'll go back to my failure. I am more than happy to talk about my errors. No problem at all. When I was sort of first starting out, you know, I was very young opening up a brand in Northern Europe. And of course, you want to drive and to succeed. And I think it's sometimes not the success, sorry, the failure of partnerships. It's 
what space you give partners as well. So you want to invite people into your ecosystem and you want them to be the best that you can be, but how much space are you giving them in order that they can come into that space and contribute? And I think that's very important if you're building an indirect and a direct team. And of course, very young, I always talk to entrepreneurs, growth goes in a series of waves. And I started that first wave, but I never got off the first wave. And I was galloping on, and then the growth wave was trying to overtake me. But I was holding on here and holding on to the new wave. And of course, holding tight gives no space, and slowly you build the company around you. And I think that was my very first big, huge learning moment. And I was surrounded by great people. And this, I was out in my garden at 3 a.m. in the morning, and I thought to myself, I was growing this brand. Everything was right on paper, but it was chopping. And I was like, what more can I do? As if I was asking anyone, the moon, the universe, or whatever. And I went in the next day and I told uh, my team, we were very close to this story. And they said, do you, do you still do what you love and love what you do? And I thought, okay, is this the moment? So I'm in crisis here and, you know, what are we doing? But the question was, Julie, if you make yourself redundant, which obviously we were a very close team, luckily, make yourself redundant and look upon it and then re-employ yourself in a different position. Because if you're holding on all of the time, you are stopping others getting involved. And in order to look at it, it's not important of delegating out. You can't, you're holding too tight. You've literally got to, forgive me, sack yourself and look upon it and say, actually, do I still love what I do? What is that job that I love? And who do I give the job that needs to be done to others. And that's what I did. I, I literally sacked myself, made myself redundant and worked with the team in order that I could replace myself in a different position, still a leadership position, of course, but doing what I loved. And that gave people the space, the partners to go, okay, now we contribute. We don't, we're not looking towards the purpose of Julie. We're looking towards the purpose of the organization. And that gave everybody space to be able to contribute. And that was the biggest learning moment that I had. And so where partnerships fail, the first question is, what are we not aligned on? And I always start with the founder. And quite often it's lack of clarity, lack of vision, or diluted purpose because you're holding on too tight and people don't know what to expect anymore because it's like dependent on the day that you arrive. So I start with the founder in the politest, kindest way with my story, because it makes people comfortable. I've been there. <laughs> and Julie, I love that explanation. You know, the best way it's ever been explained to me is that founder, if you are founder CEO right now, you should kind of be at the top, plugging yourself in intermittently to the departments where you're needed, but nobody is reliant on you. You don't have one continuous job that you're doing because really your job is to see Honestly, I'm going to say your job is always going to be putting out the biggest fire. I'm sorry. It's never going to end. <laughs> but you're you're having people kind of under you who are running each of those independent departments. And your job is to jump in when they're needed and then jump back out when it's mm -hmm. done. Because if you do build that brand around you alone, there's not you know a, a full team culture. And also, you won't be able to step away like you totally, want to. So. Totally. I think that is such yeah. a good point. I want to 
go back to something that you said that I took a note on because I think it's so important. You mentioned the fact that kind of when you were in your garden at 3 a.m., everything looked good on yeah. paper, right? And I think that is something that we as founders have specifically, I know I'm incredibly data-driven. I'm looking at the numbers, I'm looking at paper, I'm like, okay, this looks good. Why do I feel yeah. bad about it, right? So if the only metrics we are tracking are things on paper and they look good, did you implement something or do you have something now that allows you to see when maybe you yourself are going in a different direction or to see that something may be going downhill when things, quote unquote, look yeah, good absolutely. I mean, of course, you can't have a learning that it is sort of punched me out of existence of the company without going, well, what have I learned from that? And at Wise Vines, myself, a behavioral consultant, a financial consultant, we created the Powerball, which is... What happens when we get stuck? What is it? And it's very simple, 16 questions, the alignment of four key growth drivers. And I, we call it the Powerball because if things aren't aligned, it's like you're deflating it. So you can have as much success as you want behind you. And it's like you're pushing one of those sort of deflated balls up a hill. So you're being punched left, right, and center. Whereas if it's inflated, it's strong and powering through. And that four key drivers is your alignment to customer, purpose, the way you work, your business processes, and to, to your team, whatever form that team's in. And, and that's what I say to entrepreneurs I work with today, look, everything's on paper, but are you kind of feeling overwhelmed, like it's chugging? It just feels like hard work. And I say, test the Powerball. Where's the block? Where's the problem? Because it's never one thing. Have a little look. What's deflated? Quite often, it's there's a supplier that's kind of pulling. Ask yourself first, don't blame the supplier. <laughs> what am I doing to contribute towards that? And how do I fix it? It's not by doing more, which obviously entrepreneurs do. I must work harder. I must get on the way. It's about actually just taking that space back, reflecting it and saying, where is the problem? And it's never one thing. That's why, where are we deflated? We actually nickname it also the blame ball. It's nice, you know, because it's not about me. It's not about you. Let's look at the ball and we can blame it. And it just helps for a bit more of a healthier adult conversation rather than who. So we like the power, power ball, the blame ball. It's very important. You're often working on your own for long hours. So it's like a partner for you. What's the problem? Why do I, why am I falling out of love with what I'm doing? And it's quite often that there's a deflation somewhere and the block is something that should be going smoothly and you keep banging your head against a wall. And that's why we use the Powerball. I use it to solve everything. You know, it's in terms of where something's not easy, it feels nerve-wracking. Where is it, Powerball? Well, obviously, it doesn't answer me back yet. I haven't bought that. I've got that too much into technology, but, you know, never know one day. I love that. You basically created something that can allow us to see this indication, you know, on paper, whereas before... I think we're so taught to look at the financial yeah. numbers, look at these numbers from a data and money perspective. And a lot of times it's not taught that like on paper can also be, how am I feeling? How are my values aligned? How are my suppliers aligned? And I love that you mentioned, we also need to look at ourselves because I find so much of the time, somebody else may be acting in a way that's pulling me down, but you know what? I've allowed for that to happen. I am unfortunately learning to be more confrontational. <laughs> I would say that's one of my biggest flaws, but allowing these things to happen and not setting expectations in a kind but direct way. So I love you mentioning, yeah, it can be someone else, but that can also be on you. And 
as much as we hate blaming ourselves, I actually kind of like it when it falls back on us because we can do something about it, right? That that puts us back in control. You know, when you're an early startup or early business and you're striving through those early growth stages, that passion will come through. And you're trying to get somebody to love this ugly baby of yours and trying to get, look at it, it's, it's beautiful, really. You go, really? It's not? So you're kind of trying to drive through and... That makes people very passionate and sometimes emotional. That's why we get really the important thing is to try and challenge that passion, channel, sorry, that passion into a purpose that other people can join. Because, you know, then it's because sometimes I used to say, oh, gee, she's so passionate. She is that company. I used to wear it like a badge of honor. And now I sort of realize, well, obviously one of those realized it wasn't a badge of honor. It, and to some people it's exciting, but to... A lot of people that want to support growth, they're trying to find their contribution. It can be overwhelming. It can be, oh, wow, sounds exciting, but not really sure where we're going with it. And that, that person to be clear, to be really clear with your direction. What is your vision of change? And make people curious and excited about the journey. You don't need to tell them how to get there. If they're the right people, of course. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that was incredibly insightful. Now, I want to go back to something you said at the beginning that I think is just so important. You said you have loved every minute of this journey. And I think that is something that many of us wish we could do. So tell us, how were you able to do that? And how do you keep a positive attitude despite, I'm sure we've only heard half of your struggles, if that. So how do you, how do you keep that? Well, I think for me, it was the excitement of the journey always driving towards that vision and once I had released myself out of that block you know I was surrounded by amazing people we've also grew through partnership so the people that are there are also co-owners they've also got a contribution so you never really have to persuade somebody to be uh, excited or wanting to join in and we were making change and I think the change that we were making was big enough to be excited about. There was space to still discover. And I think that's very important is that sort of series of waves. You've got to keep that curiosity. You've got to keep the challenge without going away from the core, the golden thread of what you've got. And I think that's the role of the founder to, to challenge, to celebrate a unified cause, a unified measure. And that's something that we very much did. When we first started, we were on record weeks and sales and all this stuff. And what we realized, there was very few people that were connecting to that celebration, namely marketing and advertising, of course. It's all right. But, but what we did was when we kind of retrained everybody to be sort of more purpose-led and understand the purpose and their contribution towards it, we put a measure to purpose a lot of people debate that, but we said, what is the likelihood of a customer returning in two years' time? So we really pushed it out. and Everybody could contribute towards that. And we measured it, whether you were in the store, with the office, picking up the phone, it didn't matter. Everybody was on that journey. And I think that was the real change. And we threw a party for 1,700 people, which we had at the end, celebrating this figure alone, this thing. And everybody joined in. And I think what you celebrate is more important than you think. And I think that when we turned to purpose, it, it really opened up the curiosity, the want, and it brought everybody in. It was exciting. 
we were actually revolutionary. We gave a lot of stuff back to other parts of the company as well then, because, you know, when you're under pressure is when you're going to discover, you know, those real things that could be exciting, a new way of doing it, whilst keeping the core. Very important. Yeah, I love that answer. And I think it's really important to open up our team into our vision as well. I know there are a lot of And I even find it, you know, some of my clients, we go over their financial numbers. I have clients that we open up everything in front of their team. Their Mm -hmm. team comes to their financial meetings. And I understand there's varying levels of comfort with that. So you don't necessarily have to give them insight into everything. But the more insight you give your team into what you are striving for, and I think really importantly, how the numbers, the data that they are seeing is translating into that purpose, I think is something that founders need to work on a little bit more, right? Making sure that we are transparent to the extent that we feel comfortable with our team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we look at purpose and values and and I think before COVID, purpose was there and it was all very lovely. But actually during COVID, we we actually put it as a profit and loss line. Um, of course, we have to insert it. Accountants haven't caught up with our brilliance yet. But, uh, it's, you know, we, we, we put it as an actual line because it's goodwill. It's huge value. And you only ever calculate it when you sell your business. But if you're constantly selling your business back to yourself, you need to know that figure. And it is a figure. You know, if you've got a team that's not connected to your purpose, the pressure on things like cost of sales and, and stuff like that is very high. Getting it wrong with the customer not staying relevant, they have big implications on some of the basic key performance indicators in a P&L model. So yeah, makes total sense to me. Absolutely. I love that. And I think it's definitely something that, you know, this new world of business is going to start to see be a little bit more cognizant of what people are viewing you and your business, what your purpose is, right? I think there's a lot more social awareness in the world right now. We've seen just in the past few weeks, people say, I don't want to shop here or work here or be a part of these brands because I don't align with their values. And I think that's a huge way the world is trending. So, you know, being very, very public with their values and understanding that those right customers will actually be really attracted to that. And it's okay if we repel those other people. So Julie, this has been so insightful. I really appreciated you sharing your story and feeling very motivated that it's possible for all of us to do the exact same thing. So if our listeners want to connect with you, work with you and Wise Minds, where can they find you? Well, we've got a website, Wise Minds. It's wise with a Y. As a young person that told me it was with an I, it made me old. So I changed to white, but it's wiseminds.com and we've got a website and To be quite honest, it's a great growth evaluation you can fill in there completely free. And you can read stories from young entrepreneurs just to get inspired by them. So even if you just want to touch and learn a bit more without any connection, it's great. But yeah, we're there on wiseminds.com. Amazing. And for all listeners, those will be linked in the show notes below. So just click the episode and click those links below. So Julia, I just want to thank you one last time for being here. This was so insightful. And to our CEO listeners, We have some great episodes coming up, so be sure to tune in next week.